to Startups, where we talk to entrepreneurs and learn how they turn great ideas into successful companies. My guest today is Effie Blanchy, who, along with his father, Vladimir, are the team behind the early stage startup, Blanchy Aviation. They're developing what you might call an electric-powered hang glider. And as you'll learn, it's something that has the potential to really improve the experience of ultralight flying. In this episode, we'll do a deep dive on how they developed and refined their product vision in recent years, and we cover the practical steps they're taking to make that vision a reality. Things like what tools they're investing in, how they're transitioning from paper-based to CAD-based design, and how they use 3D printing for both prototyping and manufacturing. Let me know what you think of this episode. You can tweet me at John H. Fox, leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or email me at john.fox at siemens.com. Hi, Effie. Good to be with you. You've got a very interesting story and a very interesting company. You, you develop recreational aircrafts, and it's a father-son team. Could you tell me about how your company started, where the original idea came for your product? Yeah, sure. First of all, thanks for having me on here. Yeah, my father, Vladimir, he was actually uh, into flying way even before I was born. And he was born in the Soviet Union uh, in Lithuania. And he built one of the first hang gliders uh, there in the country at the time. So he was always into it. And after escaping the Soviet Union in 89, he uh, ended up getting into gyrocopters. Uh, kind of really fascinated him. He ended up building his own gyrocopter in the late 90s. And then after realizing that it really wasn't too safe of an aircraft. He ended up uh, selling that, not pursuing that further, and then getting into hang gliding, which was his uh, original passion because there's nothing really quite like it. It's really as close as you can get to flying like a bird, really. So we were living in Atlanta at the time, and I remember going as a kid to uh, Lookout Mountain Flight Park, which is about two hours north of Atlanta. We'd go out there for the weekends and camp, and he would, he would learn to fly out there and go out to fly but unfortunately, there's really quite a lot of logistics when it comes to hang gliding that a lot of people don't realize. You don't have a motor, so you're really dependent on, first of all, being in the exact correct place where you can launch from a mountain. Uh, so you have to have access to a launch. You have to have really correct, uh, good launching conditions. So the wind has to be blowing in the right direction. It can't be blowing too strong. If it's blowing too lightly or not at all, then you know once you take off, you're you're going down. You're not staying up. You're, you're not finding any natural lift in the air. He eventually became quite frustrated because really he was doing all this traveling, spending so much time, and he wasn't really getting to, barely getting to fly as much as he really wanted to. So he ended up quitting that. And, and that's really where his first idea of making uh, a trike came about. And uh, a trike, for anybody who doesn't know, is pretty much like a powered hang glider. So it's got a motor, it's got three wheels, you know, one in the front, two in the back. And you can take off from any, any landing strip or field or airport or what have you. And so it really it opens up a lot of uh, possibilities there. But he wasn't really quite satisfied with the uh, existing trikes because unlike hang gliding where you're kind of, you're, you're laying down, you're flying Superman style, right? Mm -hmm. With a trike, you're sitting in a seat and it really is a very different flying experience. Ah, so when you say trike, so this is, it sounds like it was an existing product category? Yeah, mm -hmm. there's a trike. Maybe a little bit about the history of, of that. When did they first start appearing, you know, as a recreational vehicle? I believe that it was first created in the late 60s. And since then, there's been a lot of designs done, of course. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, 
they're all pretty much the same. They're, they're all based off the exact same design. It's got the seat. You've got the person sitting uh, generally on the, the CG, the center of gravity, and they're, it's all pretty similar. And in terms of the industry, were there large players? It was a very fragmented industry. It's actually interesting. There were a lot more manufacturers and, and instructors and everything back in the early 2000s, uh, even than there are now, um, because due to some legislations that, that the FAA passed that kind of dampened some of that industry, but, it, but it's still going. Okay, so your father uh, bought one of these or two and was using them himself? No, that's the thing. He really didn't like that that flying experience. So he said, you know, I'm going to make my own and it's going to be laying down and it's going to be a so-called hang gliding trike where you can hang glide uh, and trike at the same time and have the convenience of the trike and none of the logistics of the hang glider. Okay. So it was uh, in the late 2000s that, that he started building. That was the first version of the trike. And how did that go? <laughs> yeah, so th- that was a big challenge uh, because really he was pretty much starting from scratch. Because you know how it is a lot of times when you're trying to design something, you take an existing aircraft and you modify, you know, you move things around, you improve them a little bit. This was a huge challenge because the design was really quite, had to be quite different in order to accomplish that. Uh, It may not seem like it, but it really was. So, but he did it and he built the first version of the trike, which was prone, but it was not electric, right? So our, our current product we're working on, it's it's an electric prone trike, prone meaning lying down. And the first version, which was the combustion engine, was built in around 2015, uh, finished by 2015. He ended up looking at it and realizing that this is not really what I wanted to fly either. Like there is a, a natural evolution there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sounds like the vision was to replicate that hang gliding experience, but in a much more convenient way. So it was it was noisy, heavy. It wasn't quite reaching his vision, perhaps? Exactly. For a couple of reasons. Uh, yeah, the combustion noise, it's, it's pretty bad. Uh-huh. You know, and I fly trikes too. So yeah, I know there's a lot of vibration, a lot of noise. Obviously, there's the, uh, the surrounding uh, things around it. Like it's, they're not as reliable, you know. And the other thing is that the weight distribution was such that, because, you know, the combustion motors, uh, engines, they're all in, in the back. Uh, it actually made balancing of the, the aircraft much more difficult. And he had to make like uh, some modifications to the hang glider wing that was attached to the, the trike carriage. And those modifications were really suboptimal as well. So yeah, he didn't like that. He was like, okay, do we need another solution. You used the phrase, not very reliable. When I hear that in reference to like a recreational aircraft, that sounds kind of scary. <laughs> I, I guess I'm more referring to the fact that combustion engines they require a lot of maintenance. Things go wrong. They can go out. But the nice thing is that, like, as with most aircraft, like airplanes, you know, if engines go out, I mean, you have a, a solid wing, a rigid wing, so you can always glide down and land at any airport or field or something like that, obviously depending on the size of the aircraft. I should also ask, given the, the intent of this podcast, how was he designing at that stage? I think you may have said it was on paper at that stage or... Yeah, everything everything was whiteboarded and that was my dad was telling me about it it was it was not easy. He wasn't using any kind of CAD, you know, design software or anything like that. So there was a lot of drawing things out, erasing, drawing things out, trying different things, trial and error. Yeah, there was a lot of that. 
And at this stage, was he working a full-time at another job? Was this like a weekend project or was this a full-time endeavor for him? At this point, uh, it was already a full-time endeavor. Okay, so build a prototype or maybe more. Wasn't quite happy with the experience. Then, then what was the next step? That's actually quite interesting because the trike that he built was actually pretty much ready to go. Like everything was on there and it was flyable. But when he saw like standing back and just looking at it, imagining yourself flying it and doing after doing all the testing with the combustion engine, he was like, wow, okay, you know what? This is not what I envisioned. And the most important thing for him was to have what he envisioned. Mm -hmm. And he ended up not even flying it, even though he could. He didn't want to have the temptation just to go through it as is, even though it wasn't exactly what it was, but he could still fly it, you know. So no, he he ended up making the tough decision that no, he wants it electric. It has to be electric. That's the only way he can do the design the way that he wanted to Mm -hmm. and have it fly the way that he wanted to. And being able to obviously not have the vibrations and stuff, but also being able to turn off the motor being able to make adjustments much more easily in terms of the the center of gravity of the aircraft. So he actually took that trike and he he took it apart so that he wouldn't have the temptation to to start working on it more. He took it apart and he started working on the next version, on the electric version, which is the one we have now. And it was about, uh, I joined him in these adventures in 2017, a couple of years after that. Okay, that's where it gets interesting. So did you introduce CAD at that point? And other digital tools? Unfortunately for my dad, he ended up doing most of the design still without CAD. And and most of the trike was even built without the CAD. So he didn't have the that those tools at his fingertips. It's only afterwards that I started modeling everything in CAD, you know, to I guess for future proofing, making adjustments much more easily because you know, once you start making those kind of changes, what is he gonna do? Go back to a whiteboard again? Yeah. You know, so yeah. it was only afterwards. So that it definitely it would have been much easier for him to if he had a cat at the time. Okay, so now you're getting into electric. Talk about how that process happened. That was just a natural evolution. That's just what it was. It was like, in order to have the design and the flying that he wants, again, both the flying experience and the actual design of the aircraft, it required electric. There just simply was no other way. And, and really, that's, that's the future going forward, right? Is that what's happening in the industry? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm talking the the aircraft industry in general. Like there is just there is a huge just explosion of startups trying to get into electric aviation whatever it is and and for good reason because really people people I think feel they have that intuition that this is the way to go. Like this this is the future. So when you look at your category, who are your big competitors that you have your sights on? There are a number of trike manufacturers, including here in the U.S., but really, honestly, we don't really think of them as competitors. I, I know it may sound like a lot of people say that, but we really don't. We, we've never even had the discussion mm-hmm. like these are our competitors because we just we just believe that we have a trike that is a good design. It's different from everything out there. It's the first design ever that's prone that gives you that like that that better flying experience and you know if if people want that experience they'll get it if they want something else they'll get something else you know but we're not in here to you know because competing is also something that implies like i'm better and they're worse and we win they lose there are no winners or losers in our opinion we're just trying to make a good track here and in terms of the electric design where does the product stand now is it complete and still in development or what 
it's still in development. We're we're still in the R and D stage, but we're nearing the end now. We're hoping to have a a, a prototype uh, off the ground uh, next year. Okay, so let's zoom back and talk maybe more about the business. So. What do you do in terms of sources of funding? Do you have customers? Do you have investors, partners? How does that work? So we're we're fully bootstrapped. We're all self-funded. I have worked a part-time job in order to fund this for, for quite a while. So you're working part-time on another job and helping your dad on this project. Exactly. So I, I'm a web developer by profession. And so I've done programming and stuff. And like I said, I got into this engineering and CAD work and 3D printing and stuff like that all uh, a few years ago. Okay, so let's talk about that. You're a Solid Edge customer. A big part of our mission with Solid Edge is really trying to democratize all these complex, you know, engineering tools and technology for folks like yourself. So, I'm really interested to hear about how you discovered Solid Edge and how you started using it. I really wanted to get into CAD design, like it was just a natural thing that I really wanted to do and I was looking around at all the options. There are there are many options, but for something that is really robust and not just like, you know, for, for hobbyists, it's hard to find something that can be worth it with limited funding, limited capital. So I, I'm a part of some uh, you know, online entrepreneur communities and whatnot. And so I, I've heard of many companies offering their software to startups, you know, to help them out. So I actually, when I came across uh, Solid Edge and I, I saw like some of the intro videos about it and how it has the synchronous uh, direct modeling technology and everything, I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Let's see if they have a startup and uh, a startup program. So I, I just searched Google for something like a Solid Edge startup and bam, you know, that's, where, that's how I found it. Terrific. So now you have, you have one license? Uh, yes. You're the CAD guy and the design guy at the company. Right. Do you use simulation tools or anything like that? I've only just uh, done a little bit, but nothing really extensive quite yet. Uh, really, the design was number one and you know, making sure everything is modeled accurately and, and, and stuff like that. So we are planning to do simulation possibly next year. you got a powerful product idea, a lot of history behind it. You're bootstrapping, so not a lot of free cash flow. What other investments besides maybe software have you made? I know I realize you have to be very selective in getting the business. Maybe other types of design software, business type software. You mentioned 3D printing. Talk about the investments you've been making. In terms of software, I mean, it was just the 3D printing software. Uh, I would say in terms of software, there's, there's not too much, thankfully. Really, the main our main cost is in developing the product itself. Like there's a lot of parts to buy and you know, prototyping, getting machine parts. And we have parts coming in all the time. Like, it's just, you know, mistakes. Uh, you need to, you do one thing, you realize you need another thing. It's just the natural things. I would say the most of our investments is in the physical, the physical stuff. And how are you thinking about customers at this stage? Are you getting feedback from customers of the market? We were discussing, you don't have a market-facing website at this point. How are you engaging with the market? Yeah, we're we're not at the market uh, stage yet. But what I can say is that I'm also a hang glider pilot, so I, I'm in the hang gliding community, been in the triking community, and anytime I mention what I'm building, like everybody's faces light up. So it's like, you know, there's the market validation for me. Everybody's like, okay, uh, you know, let me know. Here, here's my email. Let me know when, you know, when this is out because I want this thing. Mm-hmm. I think people really vibe with that idea that you have like a hang gliding trike that you can turn off in midair 
and you're just soaring around like a hang ladder. And then, you know, if you get low or the air, the conditions aren't very good and you don't just power back up, go back up, you know, turn off the motor again, if you want. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really cool. Right. Right. Maybe could you talk about the future? So you're focused on developing the, the product and maybe the first article. How do you see, you know, the next three to five years for, for your company? Yeah, we are doing the trike right now, but we have our sights on three axis airplanes as well. Both my dad and I, we're very big proponents of, of, of flight. And we believe there the future is in flight for recreation and just personal transportation. It's, it really feels like, you know, metaphorically, we're kind of in the, the, the caveman age of transportation with ground transportation. If you think about just, you know, how inefficient it is, you know, you have all this, you know, you're staying in, in kind of like a, a two, 2D space with a limited amount of pathways that you can drive on. Then you have the traffic and the traffic lights and safety concerns. And there's so many things. And there's so much unused space above us, tens of thousands of feet. That's just totally unutilized pretty much. So we want to get into three-axis airplanes, use a lot of the skills and a lot of what we've developed right now here with the trike and apply it to three-axis airplanes and which which has a much bigger market and uh, I think has a really a, a, a huge potential. Yeah, what are some of the big companies that are talking about this kind of stuff? I'm thinking of it, this might not be a de- perfectly aligned with what you're saying, but like what Amazon is thinking about delivering packages. Are other big companies kind of talking about this from a visionary perspective? Maybe Uber. I know Uber does have a division for for flight as well. Some big companies are, and there's a lot of big companies that have these small divisions that are just doing this R&D, you know, as we are, to try and figure out how you can make this work. Because, you know, with electric, everybody feels like it should work, but it's a challenge on how to get it to work. So like I know Airbus, they've they've got some electric uh, prototypes of airplanes. They've got one called the E-Fan, for example. And yeah, there's a lot of little ones as well. There's no, uh, what's the word, limit to, uh, it seems, the amount that are coming out every year even. I'm going to ask you a two-part question about, about the challenges you're facing. So one is, what challenges are, have you encountered to date? And then which ones do you anticipate in the future? Yeah, if we're talking technically, I, I think the, the biggest challenge was kind of overcome what, what I said with my dad, which was you needed to figure out from scratch you know, how, to, how to design this thing. So technically, that was probably the biggest challenge. Personal challenges here, um, otherwise, business-wise, is my background is not in uh, engineering and CAD modeling and stuff like that. So it is a challenge to to dive into something that you haven't really don't have the background for. So you're constantly having to learn new things and figuring out what you need to learn and and how you learn it, you know, because um, there's so many things and like, what are you going to do? Are you going to pick up books and read them all back to back? you won't ever get anywhere like that. So you have to figure out what to learn, how to learn it, and constantly be, you know, improving. So so you've been doing that for how long? About three or four years. So think back. I think it'd be interesting for our audience. What process did you go through? What challenges did you encounter and overcome? And just kind of becoming proficient on the tools. Where did you go to learn more? Did you network? Things like that. Honestly, it's just a matter of just doing it. I honestly, like, like for example, with 3D printing, there are communities where you learn uh, online, the forums and even Facebook groups that are, are extremely helpful. 
and you just you have any question, you post there, like you'll get answers in minutes. And it's a matter of just putting those, you know, putting things into practice, just doing things, printing stuff, and and same for CAD modeling. It was the same when I was learning Solid Edge. Like a lot of it is just reading documentation because you know the documentation is great; it's very clear. So you 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 start with making some simple parts and maybe get into ones that are a little more complicated. And yeah, little by little, you figure things out along the way. Yeah, I'm sensing a theme here. You mentioned the, these online communities where you found about, found out about the tools, the entrepreneurial programs, um, including our own. So let's get specific. What are some of the entrepreneurship communities or forums? Uh, can you get specific? Which which ones did you find most useful? Yeah, for sure. For me, one of the most useful one that I, I frequent, uh, it's called Hacker News. Not hacking in like uh, computer hacking, but hacker meaning like the people who are working on stuff, yeah. you know, hacking on Hack stuff. Yep. <laughs> so Hacker News, um, it's more a kind of online tech oriented, but there's a lot of just regular, it's, it's actually operated by the incubator Y Combinator. Paul Graham set that one up. Uh, and yeah, it's a great community. They talk all all kinds of stuff, investments and what to look for when starting a business. And so I, I do recommend that one. And in terms of other online communities that are frequented, just uh, tool-based, there are Facebook groups uh, for specific, for example, if you're into 3D printing, you can uh, search for your 3D printer uh, and search for groups on Facebook, for example. And, and that applies to anything, really, well, not just 3D printing, but anything you want to learn. Solid Edge even has one uh, as well, very helpful. And obviously, just forums related to what you're doing. Solid Edge has great forums where people are answering questions all the time. We'll put links to some of the ones you mentioned, as well as the Solid Edge ones, in the show notes when we publish this. You gave the example of the 3D printer. Have you guys invested in a 3D printer, or do you use kind of third parties for that? Yeah, yeah, we have a 3D printer. Uh, it's a Creality 3D printer, yeah, heavily modified, but it is a Creality 3D printer. And yeah, they, they're, they're forums and, and Facebook groups specifically even for that printer. How did you go about selecting that? Like, why was that the right choice for, for you? I didn't have the money to spend on a, a you know a commercial 3D printer, so I was looking at uh, what are some nice desktop ones that I could use, and I actually was recommended this one by somebody uh, actually from a, a hang lighting manufacturer, somebody who works at a hang lighting manufacturing facility, and he said that he purchased this one, and even though the price is fairly low, like for what it offers, it's just amazing, like. Uh, it does a lot of what the commercial would do, uh, commercial printers would do, and it has a huge printing area, about a foot by a foot, which is really quite large for 3D printing. So I just decided to, decided to go with that, and I and I realized how modifiable these things are. So if I didn't like something, I would just go and change it, put you know, make it better, which which is what I did. What kind of modifications? Like for example, the the printing head, mm -hmm. uh, the hot end. I needed something that, since we needed to print larger parts, so I, I put in a hot end that was, first of all, a higher quality than the one that it came with, but also uh, allowed me to use larger nozzles. So a, a standard 3D printing nozzle is about 0.4 millimeters. So I can print with 0.8 or even you know 1.2 millimeters, which is pretty huge and really speeds up the prints and even makes them stronger as well. So as you as you put the product and prototypes together, I imagine you're using like off-the-shelf parts, machine parts, and and 3D printed parts. Can you talk about that? Like, how are you making and assembling the the product? Well, it all depends on what what part we're talking about here. So the, the current prototype for the actual trike, it's mostly aluminum. Um, we would like our next prototype uh, to be uh, using carbon fiber, but uh, for now, 
we have aluminum and we have whatever's 3D printed is, well, a lot of the decisions are also based on the strength requirements, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes we think, okay, you know, this part is okay to have 3D printing or, you know, is is there going to be a lot of heat or what kind of stress is going to be on this this part? So we just kind of go with, with you know, okay, well, this this has to be aluminum. We have to get this machined. Depends what you're doing. Right. What parts do you typically 3D print? Some parts related to our propulsion, like an attachment, the things like attachment points and certain things are, are like that are 3D printed. Uh, other things are just for prototypes before we get the actual machine part in, right? So I'll print a part, I'll put it on the trike, see if everything matches and if there's any change I need to make. And if it looks good, then I send it over to, to the machine shop. Got it. I'm wondering if you have any photos of your product or videos that would be really interesting to link to them in the show notes if they're available. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the I, I finished the CAD design of the, the trike this year, actually just recently. I'll be happy to share those those photos of the CAD model. Cool. I also have to ask you, who's who's the test pilot here? I imagine it would be your dad, <laughs> Vladimir, or you? Yeah, this is his his brainchild. The thing he's been dreaming of for a while. He's imagined himself flying this thing. He's going to be the first one for sure. And to many people, I, I get that question a lot. Uh, to many people, that sounds very scary. Um, but the thing is, you know, if you do things in a proper way, you can test pretty much everything that can be tested on the ground before you fly. Mm-hmm. A lot of the load testing and most parameters you can test on the ground, make sure it's safe to fly. So we're not really worried about the, the safety aspect. And how much land do you need for this? Do you need like an airstrip or a, a parking lot? And, and, and where do you typically fly these types of things to, to test them? Any field, really. Um, any field, as long as it's flat. There's so many private airports. Most people don't realize just how many airports and even public airports there are all around. So you just go whatever is the closest to convenient to you. All right. So cool. We'll have we'll put a lot of links in in our show notes for for people to look at. And I wanted to um, ask you also if if you have any advice for the folks who are listening. So we have entrepreneurs listening. We have people who are considering starting a company. What advice would you offer? I think. This may sound a little bit cliche, but really the main thing is to have a vision and a mission that you're going for because there's naturally a lot of challenges that you're going to encounter, technical or from a business or whatever. And I, I think that really the, your ability to get over those things, those, those issues, it will be determined by how strong your desire is to and, and your ability to keep that intent for your mission um, in mind. And it's kind of interesting because we're, we're talking about like a, a CAD modeling that, that you can kind of uh, relate it to that. Like, you know, at most uh, CAD software, including Solid Edge, they have something called design intent, right? So you have a certain intent in the design and everything you do is based on that intent. So you have input variables, which are your, your driving variables, you have your, and then you have your output variables, which are your, your driven variables, you can model something like uh, super quick without really taking the time to make sure everything's set up properly with that intent. You can make it look right. But if you don't have that intent there, things are going to start falling apart pretty quick. You're going to need to make some changes and then you're going to have a whole chain of things start breaking and uh, unintended consequences uh, arising. And so you're going to eventually come to the point where like, I can't do this. I need like, this is too much or I, I need to start this over. So this is this is uh, kind of like that. You need to have the intent 
and always keep that in mind. So like, I don't know if somebody is looking to raise funds, you know, from an investor, you have your intent, your, your mission in mind, you can find an investor that that's just in it for the money as many investors are, but uh, you can get the money, but they're going to, it's going to cause issues down the line. If you're, if their goals are not aligned with your goals. So it's really just keeping the number one thing up top. Does that kind of make sense? It does. It does. And I get the, uh, it's a nice kind of analogy <laughs> to the design world. Yeah. I, I guess one other thing that I would say is that uh, the other thing is that it's an adventure. Um, so uh, to anybody thinking about a startup, you know, it's, it's a very challenging and it's very freeing. It really is like even, I would say like a form of self-development because you're going to encounter things that you've never done before, things that are scary, things that make you anxious, like public speaking or, any, or, or whatever right, it is. Right. And you are constantly, you know, you get to work and expand. And I think that's, that's huge. You, it'll just, it's exciting to do th- something that really makes you encounter those things and make you realize that you're, you know, capable of doing a lot more than you originally thought possible. I got to admit, I was, I was pretty nervous going on this podcast. <laughs> I was very nervous going up to this. But, you know, as soon as from the, from the very moment I got the email about doing this, I felt that fear inside me. And I was like, okay, this means I have to do it. Like, if I feel fear about something, that means, you know, you have to do it. And obviously, I'm not talking about things like jumping off a cliff, right? That's a different kind of fear. But things that you know you should do, if you fear something, that's the sign that you got to do right, it. Right, exactly. Well, I certainly appreciate you uh, participating here. Speaking of exciting developments, what what should we look for next? What's what's the the next one, two, or three big milestones at, at Blanche Aviation coming up? The first thing is getting our prototype into the air. That's the first thing. After we have that, and if we have everything working the way we plan to, which we believe we do, from there we're going to raise investor funds, and uh, we're going to have our sights on on the next phase, which is probably a, a combination, you know, of, of trike the strike stuff and the uh, three-axis airplanes. And how exactly that's going to go, I don't know, but it's uh, we're excited about it, about uh, the possibilities. All right, great. Uh, where can where can people find out more about you, your company? Maybe contact you if they if they have questions. I think uh, we're doing our part. I think we did a blog post on on your company, and now we have a podcast. But anything else that you want to leave listeners with? Yeah, if you want to get in touch with me, I would say uh, you can go to uh, blanchy.com, and that's my last name dot com, and that's just my personal contact information. So, so you can email me from there or what have you. Um, that's probably the best way. All right. Excellent. Thanks so much for your time. Really enjoyed it. And boy, best of luck to you and your dad, particularly on that uh, maiden voyage you have coming up. Yeah, for sure. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on here. It was, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. We're excited to bring you this story and more as part of our ongoing startups podcast series. Getting a startup off the ground is no easy endeavor. Office space, supplies, employee salaries, and overhead are all vying for a piece of a lean budget. We believe your software tool should be a solution, not a problem. If you're an early-stage startup in business for less than three years, you can now apply to get SolidEdge product development software for free, with no application fee. Apply today at www.siemens.com startups. <laughs>